playing a fucking video game, Chinoda? No. Maybe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club. After Dark's movie reviews, a spoiler-free discussion detailing the good, the bad, and the downright ridiculous of anime movies. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and tonight, I am joined by our czar of source material, John. I swear to God, Shinoda, if I hear that damn controller one more time, (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna... I'm gonna kick your ass! (laughs) And we also got our boy Shinoda with us again tonight. Hello, I play video games and watch furry movies now, apparently. (laughs) Well, we knew the first part a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, tonight, three of us have gotten together because we are going to be reviewing A Whisker Away. Uh, So, Whisker Away came out back in 2020 uh, in the height of the COVID pandemic, so that was fun. Um, So, I'm just going to go right into it and, um, you know, get all the the basic details out of the way. So this film was directed uh, by Junichi Sato and Tomotaka Shibiyama. Um, Now, I wasn't able to find any other stuff that uh, Shibiyama has worked on, but um, Junichi Sato has been around the industry for a while, at least since 1981, though not necessarily as a director. How does having two directors work? I'm assuming one is like a chief director and one is like a sub director i don't know huh i've always or maybe there's a director for the first half and a director for the second half i don't know <laughs> that, don't that know would kind of make sense <laughs> given the context of the movie that would make sense i guess that kind of would um but uh some of the stuff that um sato has worked on recently at least movie wise um there were a couple of aria movies that were directed in 2021 as chief director obviously whisker away which we're going to talk about um and something that i thought was interesting um uh Junichi sato worked on the storyboarding she like chief storyboard artist for um two of the three evangelion rebuild movies really holy shit yes um so um Moving on, though, this this, this film was written by uh, our girl, Maria Okada, who is probably most famous, at least on this podcast, for writing the uh, film that both Natai, made both Natai and I cry like babies, uh, Makia, a place, oh no, what was it, a Makia, what the hell is the subtitle for Makia, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> super long, I don't fucking know, man. I know, it is super long. That was a while ago. Long. Jesus Christ, I, I, it's Makia. Um, motherfucker. When the I... promise flower blooms, I, it's, it was bugging the fuck out of me that I couldn't remember the subtitle for Makia, but it's Makia when the promise flower blooms. Um, <laughs> Jesus, my th- this is why you never get old, boys and girls. Um, this is also you know you talked about having two directors and how that works. This is also produced by three different anime studios: uh, Studio Colorido, Toho Animation, and Twin Engine worked on uh the production of this film three fucking and production as I credits mentioned, jeez yeah i know my fingers were um, involved in making this kind of like <laughs> that movie bubble that we reviewed huh uh, uh, <laughs> that isn't foreshadowing uh, at all 
That's not, no, it's not ominous foreshadowing. So uh, I mentioned before that this film uh, released in the height of the COVID pandemic. Uh, this film was originally scheduled to be released in Japanese theaters on June 5th of 2020, obviously because of what was going on at the time. That couldn't have happened. Um, and the film was then sold to Netflix, who released it digitally worldwide on June 18th of 2020. Um, I could not find any kind of uh, budgeting information, so I, I'm sorry if anyone out there does have information on the budget for this film. Please put it down below in the description along with where you got it. Um, and because this film never really... I did find information that said that, it, that the film did have a limited Japanese run in theaters in October of 2021. However, I was not able to find any box office receipts for it. Again, if anyone knows where you can find that information, please link it to me below um i wasn't able to find it in the normal places i find this kind of information the film also has a total runtime of 104 minutes um and i will say that by the end of it you start to feel every single one of those minutes <laughs> yeah like it doesn't it doesn't bode well for a film that it's supposed to be released in theaters and they were still releasing movies in theaters because mugen train was in theaters for like a year and a half but yeah, but that was that was that was later in the year. That was the, the the around June of 2020 is when the pandemic really kicked off. Yeah, but like worldwide. Straight to DVD does not bode well. Just saying. <laughs> or straight to mm. streaming service in this instance, but I feel like yeah. uh commercially because it got sold to Netflix, it probably I'm going to say it, it probably did better on Netflix than it would have done in theaters, pandemic or not. It it might, it might have, and it certainly... I, I don't know if we would have ever gotten this in theaters like in the West. Maybe we would have, but I'm not sure. So maybe this would have been the only way we could have seen it. And and eventually, may, maybe Netflix would have bought it anyway, so... See, the thing is, like, especially with Netflix releases, when something good comes out on Netflix, within, like, the first week, everyone's going to be talking about it, like, worldwide. Just, it was like that for um Squid Game. It was like that for... Arcane. Arcane, like... If it's a good fucking movie or a good show, everyone's going to be talking about it within the week. That did not happen with A Whisker Away. <laughs> I no, wonder why. I do remember when it came out, it was like, you know, because everyone was stuck at home and they had nothing to watch. So I know a lot of people watched it because there was a little bit of chatter about it, but it wasn't like, you know, balls to the wall, like like when you said Squid Game or Arcane came out. Or like Violet Evergarden. Yeah, more like... Or Violet Evergarden, yeah. The Violet Evergarden movie did more of a splash than this one did, so... Yeah. Foreshadowing. That also released in theaters, though, so... Yeah, but also, like, KyoAni, but... Uh, you yeah. know, before I completely just shit on this movie, um, it's very oh. pretty. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, that's a great segue into talking about, like, the art and animation. Like, for for all that we are gonna, like, criticize this movie's le or story toward the end of this, like, it looks beautiful. Like, the background art is, is stunningly beautiful. Oh, yeah. And not just the first part, either. Like throughout the no, whole no. movie, yeah, it's very yeah, I mean, consistent. Even, even the even the parts of the movie that we didn't necessarily like where the story was going, like the art still looked fantastic. And I I, I definitely want to praise like the color palette that they used for this film. Like it's all these like bright, happy, cheery colors, like contrasted against a story that's kind of sad and depressing and relatable. Yeah, the, at least the first half. The, it's it's fucking it's beautiful backgrounds and a lot of still shots. Which is like, obviously, when you're hand drawing stuff, it's gonna look great. But not a lot of movies focus too much on background art. Um, more mm -hmm. so because a lot of movies are more actiony. This is more of a, a slow like drama, 
So obviously they're gonna they're gonna have to make it pretty because there's not a lot of moving parts to it. But they did a fucking great job with the uh, blending the background. Like there are certain shots where it looks like it's look it looks super realistic. Like it looks like they took a actual photo and just like airbrushed like 2D animation on top of it. It's super weird looking, but it's super hyper like photorealistic, and I, I just think it's great. Like it looks fucking. Do you know great. what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like you know how Makoto Shinkai movies do that. Yeah. At least, at least recent Makoto Shinkai movies. Oh, good. Well, a lot of Shinkai movies use actual, like, I believe they use actual shots and they just, like, color over it or they kind of draw yeah. or paint over it. Yeah. So this one, it, yeah. it looks completely, like, hand drawn, but it is a really good blend of, like, photorealistic background shots. I'll tell you a good, a good, uh, the reason I use that comparison is for a specific scene. It's like, so early on in the movie, you see a shot of one of the main characters, like the grandfather's, um, pottery studio. And when he goes to like fill up a bucket with water, like you see that water come down. It looks so realistic. But then I looked at the background. I was like, is this a Makoto Shinkai movie? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like they definitely got that part, right? Like you can see where the budget definitely went into this movie. And, um, Mm -hmm. I really like how they do the um, the establishing shots for like when um, our main character when she's talking and her head's in the clouds. Like everyone turns into like scarecrows in the background because no one else yes. in the world matters to her except this one person. And I, I really like that because it's like it really gets us into the head of the main character. And then when it swaps mm-hmm. POVs to like the uh, the main love interest and like how when we see the world through his eyes, everything's like dark and gloomy because he's kind of <laughs> kind of depressed, you know. And I, I, I yeah. really like that. I, I think they did great with that, doing the establishing shots and the cinematography in it. It was just wonderful. Also, like, kudos to them for making the mass seller, like, the most crazy, almost body horror-esque character out there. <laughs> I don't know. felt more Looney Tunes to me. Yeah, it was personally. super cartoony. I don't know. But... I don't know, man. Like, if you were high and you were watching that, you'd have... Whoo! <laughs> See, and that's where it's like... They had really fluid animation, especially when the mass seller, like, he pops out of fucking nowhere every time. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, he's so... Or the time he he tries to be Mario and he goes down the pipe. (laughs) Yeah, it it was super cartoony. I really like that. Like, again, this is like... These are all the good points of the movie, obviously. Like, the the weakest part in this movie, in my opinion, would probably be the story. Which is a shame because this is like a drama-like kind of Mm. thing. So... The story should probably be the strongest point, not your art and animation. Yeah. The, ma- the the mass seller character really reminded me of the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I just I loved all the f- the fluid animation between the mass seller like transitioning from like the um bipedal cat to like four legged cat. It just it was yeah. pretty fucking seamless. Like it, it's a lot of fluid animation in it. So even though there's not a lot of movement in the movie, it still has very fluid animations. Like it does not look like it was, it's super janky and stuff. When there is movement, it's not wasted. They actually gave love and effort yes. to it, and it's very much obvious. Yeah, I also really like the little animation that they did when um, the main characters change between the cat people and the their actual human selves where they do that little backflip thing. Oh yeah. Yes. The little transformation thing. It was pretty cute. A somersault. Yeah. Yeah. A little somersault. Yeah. I thought that, I thought that was a pretty cool little animation that they did. Um, and like you, John, I, I really like the whole cinematography of like when you see the POV changes, like, you know, who's like perspective you're, you're looking at because of how, how scenes are shot and like 
like the thing with the scarecrows in the background. It it threw me for a loop the first time I saw it. It's like, oh, everything in the world besides what she's focusing on is just falling away to her. Which actually ties in really well with like later on with the main character. Mm-hmm. How like, because uh, when we first see it, you just think, oh, it's just some girl in love. And she's, you know, there's like the heart filters everywhere. And it, it just seems like she's only focused on there and on that on that guy that she likes. But then you find out like why people turn into scarecrows around her. And her emotional, like, mm. state and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, that's actually kind of smart. Like, I, I really liked that aspect of it. Because it's like, yeah. the, the scarecrows in the background, right, with the little freaking Teru Bozu faces on them, um, they represent people that don't matter to her. And in the beginning, you think about it, and it's just like, oh, it's just because she only has, she's tunnel visioning right now. Just t- it's just eyes a on cute the gag in the beginning. Yeah, but they reuse that aspect later on when she, like, closes off her like uh, her heart to her parents and stuff and it they turn into scarecrows and it's like oh it's not just like the people around her when she sees her the guy that she likes it's it's just how she views the world right now because she's closed her heart off to everyone else like these scarecrows are strangers to her and i was like oh that's actually really creative and smart i really like that and like well you know what else i really fucking like though the fucking sound design and music in this fucking movie is really good. Yes. Like, oh my god, that the, was sc- fantastic. the scoring was done really, really well. I have to say, like when when the mass seller comes on, they they have like re- that really creepy like music where it's like kind of mysterious, kind of like festival esque, like a like f- fucking um a yo mask and shit. And I'm just like, I really like it because we're un- at the very beginning, we're unsure. Like, okay, obviously the mass seller is kind of fucking sus, right? And the music yeah, really... Kinda? <laughs> no, hella fucking sus. What are you talking about? It, it just reinforces that with, like, his music. And I'm like, yeah, that's really good. And I also really liked uh, the scoring because it's... it Never is there a dull moment in the movie because there's always constantly something playing, which I can't say I like too much because sometimes I think the absence of music tells a story as well. However, I really liked all the background noises, all the... Like, it didn't sound stock sound effect like I can with other movies, like um, what was that movie you watched last time? Where I was like, that fucking bubble. No, no, the one, the one that we watched. Oh, the one that we watched. Um, that is a great question. I forget which the one. The one where he, you and I. Oh, five watch. centimeters per second. Oh, where yes, he, a Makoto Shinkai movie. When he loses the arrow, and there's that hit sound, that slash hit sound. That's literally yes. the exact same sound effect that they use in uh, Elden Ring, right? I I recognize bass sound effect stuff because you know, as a game creator and stuff like that, I I have access to these things as well, like public. Um, public domain things and all this stuff to make stuff. And it's like, I recognize these things. And that's not a good thing. You should not be able to recognize stock sound effects. That's not great for a film or for creating anything. So that's one thing I really liked about the uh, the OST and the sound design in this, that everything sounded unique. Like, they obviously put a lot of time and effort into it. I also fucking love Yoroshika. And Yoroshika sings the uh, Edie song. Ghost in oh the Flower? Oh my god, I the heck love it the ED song. Um, uh, sings both the OP, or the the, uh, the beginning theme, uh, Ghost in a Flower, and The Lying Moon, which is also the ending theme. Uh, both done by the same uh, rock duo. Yeah, Yoroshika oh. does real well. And I just, it sounds fucking great, what can I say? Like, I, there's so much that I like about this movie. And there is so much potential because it's like, again, when you've got great still shots and you've got great cinematography, you've got great sound design. It's like, all right, just need one more piece to finish the, the puzzle. Like, I don't understand how you can have all these good things, but have such a really bad story. I like I hate to say uh, it, but 
the weakest part about this for because especially since it's mario kata like we know she can write like makio is a great fucking film it's maki is fantastic another one if you haven't seen it like just go watch it yeah it's like it's heart-wrenching and it's got a lot of like depth to it right and i feel like a whisker away it, it has a lot of depth to it too i really enjoyed the first two-thirds of the movie because it's exploring uh the main story about like uh, a girl and a uh, middle school girl i believe right they're they're all in middle school yeah they're they're like the final year of middle school yeah so they're in the final year of middle school which if you didn't know in, in japan that's like kind of like the end of high school because after you go to middle school especially if you don't live in like a big city um you don't typically you can either go and get a job right after middle school or you go into high school, which is more like a college for the next like three years for people because and then there's actual college. But uh, which is like what they call it cram school in Japan, don't they? No, cram school is just like an extra study school. Yeah, yeah. different oh. thing. I know it's, schooling is weird. The, the words they have for their schools are weird in Japan. Well, it's not like when we say like elementary, middle, high school in 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 the US, like it means something completely different over there. Well, for a lot of Japanese culture things, like uh if you live in the countryside, you don't typically go to a high school. You typically like you're going to graduate middle school and you'll probably just get a job, especially if you live in the countryside, you live in a small village. Um it's yeah. more like city people that usually go to high schools. So that's why there's there's kind of a difference here and what you need to know is like basically they're young adults at this point in their life. Like yeah. they're making the next big step, which is like, uh, do you go on to a high school? Because depending on where you're going to high school, it's going to dictate where you're going to go after high school. Because usually if you go to high school, you're probably on track to go to college as well. And it, it's worth mentioning that this story takes place in the uh, supposed to take place in the real life city of uh, Tokoname, which is not a, it's not a small town by any stretch, but it's also not a big city. Yeah, it's a very mid-sized city, which is pretty average. Yeah. Like I said, it's like it's kind of in the sticks, but also not in the sticks. It's it's a very weird mix. <laughs> yeah, because like I'd, I'd call like Tokyo and stuff like a mega metropolis, mega megapolis, megapolis. Yeah, whatever. Like a metropolis, like New York. It's it's very similar to New York. I mean, yeah. Tokyo is the largest city on Earth. So yeah, it's fucking giant. So obviously, it's it's very different when you go to places that aren't Tokyo. It's very different lifestyle. Yeah. And I I really like the troubles that f- our main character faces in the movie. Um, God, what was her freaking name? Uh, they all Muge. they all called her Muge, but that wasn't her name. Yeah, they call her Muge. And did you guys watch this in English or Japanese? By the way, I watched it in Japanese. Okay, Japanese. All right. So the <laughs> because I know a little bit of Moon Rune. I the uh, I watched it on Netflix. Cause Netflix owns this, and. The translations that they have are kind of off on the Netflix uh, Japanese dub and English subs mm. because they changed the script a little bit. But basically, uh, the troubles that she faces, I, it, she's a very re- relatable character, uh, Muge is. Like, you find out uh, at the very beginning that her parents aren't together, they're divorced, and her mom is, like, trying to convince her, like, hey, you should live with me. Tell your dad you don't want to live with him and his new girlfriend, or actually his new wife because they're getting married. And she's just like, yeah, runs away from the problem because she doesn't want to face it. And I'm like, oh, I am also a child of divorce. I completely understand what she's going through right now. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was to me, it was an interesting story because I could relate really well to that, where it's like there's a fa- the failing marriage of your parents and then being caught in between your parents fighting over you and then having to live with one of your parents and then getting along with the new family. Right. Like that, that was extremely relatable to, relatable to me. 
And the fact that she decides to run away and that's how she meets the mask seller. I really like that. Um, one thing I didn't really like is they handhold your, they handhold, they hold your hand through a lot of the narrative in the movie. Like they don't leave a lot to be imagined or for you to fill in the blanks mm-hmm. as a viewer. And to me, that's, that's just bad. Like I, what they did. The it's very an insult to the intelligence of viewers, honestly. Yeah, like, at the very beginning, they do really well at doing that. You know, like, they set it up. Here's Muge, here's her mom telling her, like, we're getting little drips of information and we're left to fill in the blanks by ourselves. And obviously, she runs away and then she meets the mass seller. And I liked how they did dripping of information at the very beginning. They just breadcrumb you, which is great because it it leaves a little bit more open-ended. You can create and fill in the blanks yourself, makes it more personalized of a story, kind of like how Makoto Shinkai does that. And <laughs> I swear to God, this is just going to be the Makoto Shinkai makes better films. Watch, watch Makoto Shinkai films fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the beginning part and it just, it, cause it, again, it's very relatable. And the fact that the main character girl is not honest with her feelings. And like, that's what this is about. Like, because she's, there's a lot going on in her life. You know, there's the parents, the, the problem that she's having with her parents, the problems that she's facing at school with like people bullying her essentially ever since she was little because of, like, the problem with her parents and stuff. Because there's another aspect of this movie that uh, you wouldn't really get unless you know a little bit about Japan. But uh, when you live in a smaller place, people gossip. Like, people gossip in general in Japan. Just just think about the all the Japanese housewives. They they gossip a lot. The old women. That's not just a Japanese thing, though. That's a any small town thing, period. Yeah, any small town thing. Because, you know, it's a small town. Yeah, have you been to a small town in rural America? Whoo! Well, our main character girl gets bullied because everyone finds out her parents divorced, you know, and there's that uh, there's that old lady who comes up to her is like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Is that is is your new mom feeding you? All right. Like you let us know if she doesn't help you out. okay? and it's just like this. It's super shitty because no one's thinking about Muge in this entire situation. Like they're only focusing on her family circumstance and not really caring about her as a person, which is obviously what makes her close her heart off. To me, that was a great story. I really wanted to see more aspects about that. And they spend the first two thirds of the movie building that up. And I really liked it. I really did. And I thought they were going to finish it off like that. So I actually was like invested until they get to the like last third of the movie, basically the last 30 minutes where it just goes balls to the wall fantasy. And I'm just like, what? I don't care about this. Like it looks pretty. It looks great. I really liked the uh, when they go to the Cat City. I really liked the dark contrast of the nature, where it's like everything looks like it's at night at a festival, because the atmosphere setting is really fucking cool. And also, you know what I thought the first time I saw it on screen? What? Yeah, do you know the Norse legend of Yggdrasil? The that's literally what I was thinking too. I'm literally what I thought it was. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's wasn't that called like Spirit Tree or something? I don't remember. I, yeah. I forget what they call it in the movie, but I mean, design-wise, it looks a lot like how Yggdrasil is described in Norse legends. Yeah, it looks like the original Tree of Life. So, And again, beautiful shot, beautiful scenery. I loved all the stalls and stuff, and they're all I loved all the cat people, too. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> I also like the fact that in order to see it as it properly is, you actually have to be a cat. So, like, like fucking Taro, or, well, Muge, when she's as Taro, has to squint to see it. Yeah, and it was super, like, the movie is super cute, man. The ca- the cats in it are super fucking cute, and it looks fucking great. But, man, 
the story is so it, there's so much potential and I felt like it was so wasted because the last third of the movie focuses on the fantasy aspect of it. Like it goes back to the oh, Muge's a a cat now and she doesn't want to be a cat, so she has to go do this fantasy stuff. And it's like a lot of things get resolved and yada yada over, and I I just hated it. Yeah, the th- the great the the crazy thing is like you said the first two thirds of the movie are really had you invested, really had me invested too because I feel like much like you that especially kids of of divorced parents could relate a lot to this and like there's a lot of emotional things like as a young kid I think you can also relate to, um in here about you know your first love your first um. Of rejection <laughs> um it, it's it's all a lot of it's really relatable and then the fact that they get to that and i'm like okay why are we why are we like just yada yadaing over all of this like why what why have you why have you done this yeah what was like, the point there of was so much potential here and you squandered well, it there was so much setup for like the main there was like um story the, the main message of the movie is about communication and stuff like that right and yeah. again yeah. that would be really helpful for other people to see especially other like people who are 14, 15 years old and can't communicate well with other people like their parents or their friends. Like, that that's the whole, like, point of the movie, the first half was that, about communication problems. And there's also the shade of, like, the little mermaid, the be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Yeah, and it's like, there was so much more potential, but then you get to the climax and I just felt so disappointed. Like, it was mid. The climax was mid as fuck. Because the climax didn't really have anything to do with the first half of the movie. Like, I, I get that they had to write something in to make it so, like, there was a time-based thing and that way everything can come together at the end. I get that. There needed to be a point of conflict. But I but feel, you like, feel they, they... like the direction could have been so much better instead well, because of what they did. They didn't direct us to this conclusion whatsoever. Like, everything that they built up had nothing to do with how they climaxed the movie. That was more of a personal level for the main character than it was to the overarching story, which I'm like, so why did you tell us the like background stuff then? Like make it more focused central on Muge and the whole climax of the cat thing more so than anything else in her life, because it's all an allegory for like her communication problems. Like the entire thing is, again, about her communication problems where she puts on like um like I, I get the whole symbolism with the mask thing like you know everyone wears masks and she has a mask so she become a cat so that way people can accept her for at least when she's a cat she doesn't have to worry about like being an actual person people kind of just accept her for being her and like, that's the main message of the story but then it just goes all out the window at the end because it's just like no one learns their lesson ever and they just all kind of just go through oh yeah we're okay with it and I was just like wasted potential Wasted fucking potential to sell sell and tell a really good story about communication problems and trying to become more open about yourself to other people. A really good human story. Yeah. And it just goes all high fantasy on you with the whole the cat thing. And again, I like the cat motif and theme. I didn't mind the backgrounds. It was really cool, but it just didn't feel like it naturally led up to that point. Right? It just felt like it, it, it just went there because it had to. Like, just because yeah. of the the mask seller being a cat. I feel like that's the only reason they went to Cat Island. Yeah. I I couldn't... I There's no nothing I can add to that, because I just completely agree. Um, it, is, it is a shame. Like, you talk about it. It's hard to believe that... I don't know if it was because of the script that Mario Kata wrote, or the fact that there were two directors, and maybe the fact that it seems like such a different film in the end is because, like, one of the other directors took over as, like, a chief director. I don't know. 
I don't know why it feels so different. I definitely think that you can see that Mario Kata did write this because again, the first third of the first two thirds of the movie where it focuses on uh, Muge and her interpersonal problems, that's very Mario Kata. Like it's very Machia-esque. Where it's no, like that's it very was, obvious. It was so maybe a, a little less like traumatizing than Machia, but <laughs> definitely a lot less traumatizing. But it's still about like a lot of interpersonal growth and a lot about inner tor- turmoil. Like again, with com- the whole communication thing and not being able to talk to the people around you and shutting everyone out. Again, very relatable, very human story, very Mario Kata. Mm. What the fuck happened at the last third, <laughs> Mario Kata? Why'd you let them do this to you? Did you write that ending? Please <laughs> let me know. Like. You, you, yeah, you're, you're a better writer curious. than this. <laughs> I feel like I, I, it I'm genuinely curious. Like, I, I wonder if I don't know. I, I feel like maybe it's direction based. But then I also feel like just maybe it was just Rio Kata not on her game. I just a it's, it's, small bout of lazy writing. I don't think it was lazy Maybe, writing per se. I know, but I know John and I both know that Mario Kada is so much better than this. I feel like because it just doesn't seem like it was a natural progression to the the climax of the movie. In my opinion, I yeah. I felt like. Maybe the directors decided to direct it in a different direction. Maybe they cut out a bunch of the script to like where it would make sense for it to naturally like I I see why it would go that way when it's about the mass seller and stuff. It just there wasn't enough build up to it. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like they peppered it in here and there consistently enough that it was there. But that's for me. I I think it was there. Maybe not to a satisfying level, but they definitely put it there. Yeah, I definitely think they did breadcrumb enough just to get to the Cat Island about the mass seller. However, there's just so much more focus on um, Muge's internal struggles and stuff that they just don't talk about she just kind of gets over it i guess because then they they wrap it up at the end and it's like oh everything's fine now i'm like but we didn't see her but but, but where's the character development my dude yeah like we don't see her actually like doing reparations and opening up we just see her she's finally happy now and it's like that's great that our girl movie is happy but she didn't do anything Like, like, I get the, I get the, the, like the, there's like that idea of you lose the mask of that you're putting up around other people, and like there's a weight that's lifted off your shoulders, and you can finally be yourself and open up. I understand the symbology of all that, but my God, it's not like it just happens instantaneously, and you're a brand new person. Not yeah. to mention, in a format like this, you need to actually show it. It, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Don't. Sh- 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 I mean, you can still show, don't tell, but you have to actually show it. <laughs> They didn't even give us, like, a fucking... Actually, you know what? That's not true. During the end credit scene, they actually do show, like, the reparations happening. And that's yeah, even more fucked do. up. Because I was like, how dare you? How dare you not animate and talk during the part that's actually important? Like, don't give me a, a credits, like, still by still, like, maybe four or five shots in this scene where she's making reparations and, like, developing her character and say that's good enough. Like... Just make that into the film. <laughs> like, take that extra 10, 15 minutes that you would have done for your credits and just, just tack it on at the end. Like, there's no reason like, it they couldn't have been... They could have, they could have cut out 5 to 10 minutes of the bullshit where they're running around the Cat Island, Cat City, whatever, and then just had that, that animated the stuff that you see during the end credits at the end of the movie. Yeah, like, I don't think it's asking too much, like, because they do kind of animate it. They just don't, like, talk over it or show it in the actual movie they just show it as after credits like or as the credits are rolling you see like little photographs like 
polar photograph frames with subtitles yeah, oh man and- that makes me sad just thinking about the fact how many people just skip credits as soon as stuff is over yeah. some people probably don't even know about the fact that there is some bits of closure yeah there's like a tiny little epilogue like during the credit roll for the last or the first five minutes of the credits i think it's only like 10 minutes total and first of all yoroshika comes on great song so i obviously i stayed and watched it but I was also upset because I was like, this is like, you should have overlaid Yoroshika's soundtrack while they acted this out. Because again, this would have been that little finesse that made this the movie a little bit better. Because we get to see the, the closure. We get to see the reparations that Muge makes towards the people that she's closed off from her heart. This would have been better character development for her. Yeah. It's a shame because, like, like we've said throughout this, there's enormous poten- potential. Obviously, it's a technically very well produced movie with the sound design, with the scoring, with the art, the animation, the cinematography. But just it, it definitely trips in its narrative, um, and it's a great shame because a lot of other fantastic elements in this movie could, with a with a a better, a tighter written story, I think it could have been a really, really special movie. Yeah, because it, it definitely had good narrative quality. The problem was the pacing and the structure. Like, I can't believe that they just, they would do that. It, it just seems so wasted. Oh, man. It does. And it's, it's sad. But anyway, um, so, uh, the only thing left to do, really, is to... Uh, Figure out what score are we giving this out of 10. So, uh, Chinoda, what do you give it out of 10? Goddamn furries. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so, e- even with the... I would say the big problem is the very ending of it. Like, the very last part. Otherwise, looks good. Sounds great. And, like, overall, pretty decent uh, narrative. Like, I liked it. 7 out of 10 for me, personally. Okay. I'll definitely John? be showing it to my friends. That is something I did want to ask I, before. Before, I'm sorry to to end, like, cut you off there, John. Uh, but like, I do feel like one thing that this movie does have going for it is that it is a type of like anime movie you could show a younger child to like get them into anime. Oh, absolutely, for sure. This is one of those movies where it's like it's not that deep. It's pretty cute, and you you could show yeah. it to uh, other people and they'll enjoy. Hell, even normies would probably like it pretty well yeah all right so john what do you give it out of 10 see originally i was gonna give it like a 7 out of 10 because like you know a movie's all right but then i was like "Mm, it's really not though (laughs) like because i this is a very forgettable movie in my opinion i won't forget Mm. i I probably won't forget it because of how disappointed i am in it now but uh, (laughs) (laughs) because it the wasted potential is what really gets me about the movie like it's more of a 6 out of 10 for me like again it sounds good it looks amazing. Uh, the story quality, it just sucks that there are so much they could have worked with and they didn't go anywhere with it. Um, mm-hmm. I I really can't give it anything higher than a six. Like, because it is a little bit more memorable. And again, it's not like I hated the movie. I didn't hate my time watching it. It's not like I was like, oh, I'm never going to watch this ever again. Uh, but I'm definitely, this is not a movie that I'd recommend to people like, just like, oh, it's obviously not one I'd be like, oh, you need to watch it. But it'd be like, eh, if you're looking for a movie to watch, you know, it's an all right movie, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> like, I'd yeah. see, that's the problem, though. I'd rather recommend better movies like uh, The Boy and the Beast. I'd rather recommend that. That's a better fucking story. Which is something we should review at some point. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, um, much like Shinoda, I give it a seven out of ten, um, mostly because like. I, John, I agree with you. It is largely a forgettable movie, um, especially because of how it ends. Um, but I did give it a little extra because I did really, really enjoy how well animated it was. I really enjoyed the art, and I really loved the the way it was scored. So um, I'm just giving it a slightly higher score, mostly due to um, the technical aspects of it, because um, I did really, really enjoy those. Um See, the problem yeah. problem here is like my own personal scale is like the first five of my points are gonna be a blend of sound and like design. The other five of my points has to do with your fucking story. <laughs> 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 like that's kinda like the problem here. Like you've got five out of ten, which is you know, a five out of five for uh good music and good uh style of how you make your pretty pictures, but you got a one out of five for your fucking narrative, dude. Like, that's bad. <laughs> That's a pretty bad score. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so that is a whisker away. Um, that is our review of whisker away. It was, uh, it was, it was a f- interesting watch. I guess it was an interesting way to spend an hour and almost 40 minutes. Um, that I'll probably never go back to. Um, so before we get out of here, I do want to say that our next movie review, which has been chosen by our boy here at Chinoda. Yeah. Uh, that's will me. be, Will be uh, we we spoke about it multiple times throughout this. It will be for a Makoto Shinkai movie. <laughs> oh <laughs> um, lord! And we will we will finally be sitting down and reviewing your name. Get oh, yeah. ready for me to make more enemies of the podcast with that fucking episode. Yes, more enemies of our followers. Oh no! I'm excited. <laughs> I have yet to see this, and I have a friend that has the Blu-ray, so I'm just gonna pop by real quick and be like, gimme. Well, you know what? You will find people will finally figure out that John doesn't really like newer Makoto Shinkai movies. I haven't been shy about that at all. Like I, I always talk about it. Like Makoto Shinkai's earlier films are a little bit better, mainly because it's less formulaic, more experimental. Um, you can definitely see the foundations of his earlier works in his uh newer works. Like Your yeah. Name is a perfect example of that because there's certain shots in Your Name that are exactly like five centimeters per second. And five centimeters per second is way better of a film, and it takes less time to make a good story, because it leaves a lot to the reader's imagination. But yeah, like I, I your name's not bad. Save it for the review, it's, John. Save it. For I'll, the I'll save it for the review. But I, I swear, people are gonna hate me about my my hot takes are incoming. You know. Yeah. All right. So definitely look forward to that when we do it. Probably in about another month or so. Uh, but until then, thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club, After Dark, on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. Check our Let me try that again. Check out our merch store as well. Any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, guys. Smash that like button. Hit subscribe. <laughs> it really helps us with the algorithm. If you guys like, comment, favorite, everything, you know, um, I... I we're a whisker away from monetization. Oh, I, I title drop. Woo. Look, John's making fun of it, but dear God, please help us move up the algorithm. <laughs> I don't think YouTube likes us anyway, so. Fuck it's YouTube. Fine. It's all YouTube about Spotify like and Apple Podcast. No, oh don't fuck God. YouTube. YouTube is the YouTube Sama. Please put us in the algorithm. <laughs> we'll suck you off, please. Oh my God, no. <laughs> didn't say right, that. That's it. We're done. We're done. We're done. Good night. <laughs> we